Welcome to Running is Bullshit, I'm Stuart. And I'm Amy, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. Today we're talking about shitty races, Halloween running stories, more shoe nonsense, and we speak to Claire Maxted from Wild Ginger Running. But before all that... Amy, what's getting to you? Ah, mud. It's that time of year again. It's that time of year again. It's it's us complaining about weather again. Yeah, yeah. And anyone who knows me knows that I fucking hate mud. Like, it's slippy, it's annoying. Like, you know when you go to trail events and stuff and obviously everyone else is just running through the mud? I can't do that. I have to, like, pussyfoot around it because I'm so scared of slipping over. And then it's even worse when you do slip because you're in, like, a weird position. I always end up twisting my knee because I'm being, like, so cautious about it. Um, But the main thing for me on, like, training runs is it's so much faff as well when I get home. Like, I can't, in the summer, I just get home and I'll sit around the house for, like, three hours before I actually get a shower. And especially if I'm running with Pippin, like, I can just release Pippin back into the house. But when you've been doing a a muddy run, it's like a whole thing. You've got to get in. You've got to make sure your shoes, you've got to take your shoes off before you go into the house. You've got to carry your shoes. And you've got the dog that's actually covered in shit. So you've got to get you and the dog into the shower often at the same time. You've got to wash yourself off. Then you've got to wash the dog off. And then you've got to get the dog out. And then you've got to like try and dry the dog who doesn't like hair dryers. So then you have to try and towel dry her. And then that doesn't really properly dry her off. So you have to put her in a crate for her to dry off. And then you feel really bad because the crate is only meant to be associated with positive things. And now she's really sad because she's trapped in the crate and she doesn't understand why. It's just like a whole thing. That's complicated. It, it makes things harder. I, I, I will give you that. Mud is funny and it's fun to run in. I've got some good mud story for you later on. Um, it does make things a lot harder. It's muddy paw season. Every time we come in, every time, I wipe all four paws, wipe the belly down. And then, because, well, William's long head, you probably get this a bit with Finley. You dry him completely and then he shakes and he's wet again. I'm like, where does that come from? Where where was yep. that water just now? Yep, exactly. It's, it's like a, a whole thing especially when you live in a flat as well because if i lived outside with a garden i'd probably be able to hose her down but i've got to get her in through the communal area making as little mess as possible and if it does make a mess i've got to go back down and clear that mess up and then going through the flat into the bathroom is just like a whole whole thing so you'll just hang around for three hours after a run just stinking up the place yeah i I sit in my office it's just my office like i close the door the office is stinky but i'm fine yeah (laughs) just chilling but I can't anymore because I've got mud all over my bloody legs and probably up my ass as well. Because you know when you like flick mud up your whole back, I can't even sit in my office chair. You know. I kind of I tend to if I come in like that if I'm kind of hot, sweaty, or muddy, I just like sit on the floor and like not on the rug, just on the shit carpet. That's not mm. ours. So I just I have to just like sit on the floor for a bit till I'm stop sweating a little bit more. And then I can That's the thing. Shower. That's the thing. Like, yeah, I hate going straight into the shower. But when I'm, if I'm going, if I've got a dog that's muddy, I'll take the dog in the shower with me because I think when I'm putting the shower on anyway, I might. Pippin hates it. Pippin's like stood in the shower next to me, like, "What is this? What am I doing? I hate this. I didn't sign up for this. This is weird. This is a weird owner dog relationship." <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I, but yeah, I'm really hot and I'm having to get in a hot shower and it's just the whole thing's just a mess. And then you get out of the shower and then you're still sweating and that doesn't help. Yep, yep, yep hate it. Um, also, big news this week on our blatant and shameless U-turn on Marathon Costume Records, after we thought it'd be funny to frame me to get one, uh, you didn't get in the London Marathon, so we've gone off the idea again. They're stupid. Yeah, although I'm kind of disappointed because I was getting all, like, excited about it, saying, yeah, I could run in a really you know particular costume and get a record that would be really cool so i was actually a bit more disappointed when i got my inevitable no yeah i was thinking the obvious one would be a teabag and as far as i can tell there's no fastest marathon dressed as a teabag and i was thinking like how we could design it and how it would work i think it'd be really easy oh bird and blend could like make a teabag costume then i thought to myself oh perhaps we should just go all in and just enter amy for any old shit marathon but i thought you've got six ultras next year you're not going to (laughs) do we can't throw in a marathon you're not going to do as well to be fair to be fair like an a marathon would probably be best to do next year when i'm training for ultras because that's like a training run like a 26 mile run i think your i think your first ultra is going to be your first training run (laughs) that's going to be your warm-up Oh, it's gonna have. I've been going out and running. I have been running. I have everyone. I can't out. wait I to see your Strava. Like thirty miles, zero week, zero week, zero week, thirty miles, zero <laughs> week, zero week. <laughs> I'll have like a hundred miles for the week for the for the month, and it's just because yeah, I've done just like an race. ultra and then maybe three other runs. 
Aww. So let's catch up on the last episode. Danny Norman has been in contact and said, in respect to sprinters at the front of major races, the same comedy and novelty value of streakers at football matches. That hilarity wore off a long time ago and even TV channels deliberately don't show it. Yeah, I think he's nailed it there. Like, naked people disturbing things should be funny, but it isn't in a, in a, in a big sporting, professional sporting context. And it's the same kind of thing. If you want your moment of glory, do it on, like, the second or third wave because, it's well, frankly, it's much easier. And it, it just, yeah, just don't fuck about with the front of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing. I think mostly it's just an annoyance and it's a bit of... Well, it's obviously self-indulgent and people don't like that, do they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who would be self-indulgent? No. Not us. <laughs> Create a podcast uh, if you want to be self-indulgent. So. Absolutely. <laughs> a few people had things to say about race numbers on shorts, mostly saying they wear them on shorts when they have other layers on, which is exactly what I said was the only acceptable time. However, Aunt Bliss says, if you must put your bib number on your shorts, turn it vertically and down the front of a thigh. Then it can be seen fully from either side at the front. If it's on sideways at the side, then at best only a digit can be seen, not the whole number. This is chaos, this is surely. Too, this is too much. This is dangerous much. territory now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I can see the point, because if you, sometimes people put the, the number, if there's some, one of those fucking massive numbers, it kind of has to wrap halfway around your leg and you can only see like the first digit. But putting it on vertically, yes, the whole thing might be visible, but it's madness. Yeah. I it, won't stand for it. It's just getting really complex now. That's too much. Put your number on your top, on your bottom layer... The bottom layer you're going to wear, because I'm assuming, unless you're pin skin man, you're not going to be running topless. Put it on your bottom layer, and if you put other layers on top, that's fine. But then when somebody wants to see, just lift up your upper layers. There, Just done. flash. Sorted. Yeah. Sorted. It's easy. I mean, you probably won't need that many layers anyway. No. I've just been out for a run this morning. Stinking humidity. Still people wearing jackets and trousers and things. Oh, my people God. Are, people are dumb, and people will not learn. It's the noobs. Noobs. So noobs many of them. out in their God, jackets. They appall me. It's even noobs or very, very elite runners who are like, I'm not even hot, you know? Like they, This is so easy for me. This is like just going for a walk. Oh, I don't know, because it was um Halloween park run this morning, so some cunt was out in a dinosaur. Well, you know those inflatable dinosaur costumes? Yeah. I just imagine that was like 120% humidity in there. That looked awful. I just feel like you would have taken it off and water would have just poured out of it. No. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Why are people so wrong? Let's have a tea update. Ooh. We're partnered with Burden Blend Tea, which means we'll tell you what tea we're drinking. If you like the sound of that, you can go to runningisbs.com forward slash tea, click on the links and buy some tea if you want. Nice. What tea are you drinking today, Stuart? I'm going to go with what I've said the last few times. I'm still on the pumpkin spice because it's still October. Um, get, get it while you can, basically, because they'll stop selling it soon. They don't tend to do massive discounts on these things, so don't hang around and wait for, like, a big half-price sale or anything. If you want some spicy tea, get to Bird and Blend. Nice. I'm drinking Candy Floss. Have we spoken about Candy Floss before? I don't know where we're spoken about the Candy Floss Ooh, one. exciting. Yes, yeah, it. so it's a, it's a white tea, a Chinese white tea with, like, various fruits in there. So it's nice. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, what what is candy floss? Sugar, I mean, I know yeah. it's sugar, but so it's basically like. But sweet. it doesn't. What's the? F- but what's the flavour of candy I don't know floss? Which, I don't I actually know. It tastes like candy floss, or like it's, it does. To be fair, it smells like candy floss. I think it's just sweet. It's a nice white tea, very sweet. But the best thing about this tea is how it looks. It's amazing. It's got um. Hold on. Open the packet. It's got some bits in it that are shaped like stars. I don't know what that is, whether it's, um, I think it's got coconut or something in there. Sprinkles. Oh, no, sprinkles, which are made of sugar, potato starch and vegetable fat, coconut. So, and they've made them into like little stars. So it's a very nice looking tea. It's nice to look at. That's interesting. I've just looked it up here and I think apparently you get a little bit of like strawberry flavour or sometimes raspberry or vanilla Mm. flavour in. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a very nice tea. It's a very nice white tea and it looks yeah, pretty it looks very pretty which is the main thing so the other I, I was gonna have a snowball tea i found at the back of the cupboard a um a tin of snowball tea which i think actually you gave me Stuart, like a whole tin of it and it was um it oh, was, you obviously really enjoyed I opened that, it it was still sealed and i opened it and then i thought <laughs> how old is this tea check the bottom it went out of date in 2018 wow yeah. and part of me did think be fine won't it it's just tea and i thought four it's, it's four dry tea years, though but it, obviously it's bird and blend so it's got like proper bits of things it's, in it so. it's dry it's fine blend, if you're listening can i drink four year old tea that you sell 
Is that safe? It'll be fine. <laughs> Drink it. It'll be funny. No. Record no, it I think at least. You might have to go in a bin, which is which is a real shame. <laughs> oh, coward. If you want tea, make sure you go to our website first. Click on our links so we get money. Yeah. Thanks. Amy, what have you been up to? So this week, I've been going on some runs with not only Pippin, but also Finley, who listeners who don't know, Finley is a corgi, so he's not really bred for stamina. He's more bred for short bursts, you know, it's a herding breed. Um, And also Freya on the bike, so it's been like a proper family run, it's been like a proper pack. Um, I think we've sort of figured out how to do it, like Pippin's attached to me on the, the canny cross gear. Finley is such a good boy, and we go on routes that are sort of... Um, away from roads anyway so he's off the lead and he just runs alongside the bike he's a re- i think he thinks he's herding us all like he's loving life he's keeping yeah. us all together so he just runs alongside the bike and we do about five miles and finley's fine yeah nice. finley's doing really well like he, we're doing this thing called finley fitness finney fitness because he's fat and he's all he always has been fat i was gonna say he's, he's a little bit he's a bit of a chonker he's a bit the of a loaf is, he was he? the fattest puppy in the litter and he's always been the same and no matter how little we feed him and i feed him like a tiny amount now like way below his recommended whatever because i, I don't know what else to do we exercise him loads so um so yeah this is part of his finny fitness routine so yeah he can comfortably run five miles so very impressed he does get runner shits though he gets diarrhea well when you say comfortably yeah. run <laughs> How comfortable is it? <laughs> when he's had his shit, he's fine. He, he's back to normal again. Okay, yeah. What's he sprayed he, he's all proper, over the paper? Like, no you know when you like when your dog does diarrhea though, and you've got to make a show of picking it up, but really you're like, I can't. This is like wheat. I can't pick yeah. it up. Like, what? What can I do? Up. You're just smearing Making it around. Making it worse. Then, it's literal liquid. Like, what? and he always does it right in the middle of the path because when he needs to go, he's desperate to go then. So. But yeah, other than, other than Finley's shits, yeah, he, he's been really nice. We've been doing some nice runs, all the dogs together, nice little pack. And we just, we're just those crazy lesbians now in Cardiff Bay that run around with the dogs. <laughs> and lots of videos and photo. Yeah. I feel like that's possibly mostly what it's Oh yeah, about. yeah, it's a whole photo shoot. There's a lot of media yeah. attached <laughs> to this. Yeah, lots of like auxiliary media around it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's like a whole photo shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. What have you been up to? I did a race. Yay. I did the Ponty Plod. It's a 17k race with that 450 meters of elevation. Very mixed terrain, like lots of everything, lots of tarmac and gravel paths, muddy paths, wood paths, and a lot of cow shit. Um, there's a bit that I completely, I've done this race three times before, completely forgot about this section. There is about half a mile. We come out of, kind of pop out of some uh, woods, and I looked to the right, and there was a shit ton of cows in a field. Just all kind of went down. They're all up against the fence because I guess perhaps it was their time to, nearly time to go back into their shed or whatever to milk. I don't know what cows do. Loads and loads of them. And obviously this lane is the lane they use to get back to their shed. And it was about an inch thick, at least at all times, with cow shit for half a mile. Nice. It was just like, I, I assume there was tarmac under there somewhere. Didn't see any of it. It was just inches of shit the whole way. Like sometimes you get to a big puddle. And you can tell sometimes you look at the puddle and like, that's not entirely liquid. That's a very thick puddle. Like, you know, when you you see someone ahead of you stand in it and it doesn't move the way water does. Mm. There was a lot, a good half a mile. And, you know, we've talked before about what the difference is between shit and mud. And I'm not sure whether it's a biological or philosophical difference. Uh, th- either way, this was very much over the line of being mainly shit. So, yeah, that was the main bit I want to talk about, obviously, because it was, at least it was early on. So we kind of got washed off a little bit in the rest of the race. Um, so that was that was a good thing, at least. And just the other awful thing about it is just the last field we ran up through, I don't know, mile and a half, maybe. And it was just a gentle uphill. Like, it wasn't too much of a climb, but the field was just so soft. Mm. It was such soft mud. Like, barely anyone around us was running it because you just couldn't. It was just pointless because every time it wasn't like squishy, it wasn't wet, muddy, it was just soft. So, every time you were just, it was like running on sand all the way up this long hill, and that just made it so difficult. But at least it was a tarmac downhill finish. Um, but a really fantastic race. Um, I think you would enjoy this one as well because there's a, a short version as well. There's an 11k version as well, the partial plot they do now as well, which I think is a fantastic idea. 
And I think you'd really, really enjoy this one for next year. Mm, if you're still alive after all the old physicals. <laughs> if I'm still actually walking next year, then yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those that's very, very mixed. It's got just all kinds of everything in it. There's a great bit where you go over a stile into like a little piece of woods and there's a tape immediately across the front of you where you think the path is going to be and you kind of have that brief minute of like, oh, where the fuck do I go? And you look to the left and there's just this really steep clamber up through the mud and tree roots. You know, oh, okay, that was the best bit for me. Nice. But it's just really odd. You kind of go over the style, like, what the fuck do we get? Oh, okay. You just, that's a bit where you have to actually kind of use your hands a little bit to pull yourself up. And those are always the best bits for mm, me. Definitely. Love that race. Glad it's back after three years. Um, also this week, uh, my dog William has been limping for a couple of days. Uh, he was limping. We don't know why. Took him to the vet and then he was fine. It literally in the walk from the car to the vet, which is about 30 seconds, walked completely fine. He'd been like picking up his back leg for the last two days. Um, so he just he just fixed himself. I think probably what he did was stood on something sharp once and then for two days was like, oh no, I don't want to put my paw down again in case I hurt it. And so he just been acting like an idiot for the last couple of days. But the worst thing about that, recorded nothing on my Strava for the, for a day for the first time in about six months. God. Now I'm not a run streaker because I'm not that kind of wanker, but I do walk and run or cycle or do something every day because I've got a dog. And this is the first time in like six months it's broken that little no. pattern for me there. So never mind. God damn it. And he, wasn't, he was just pretending as well. <laughs> yeah, and he was just pretending or thought it was her. And until he, if he gets distracted, he runs on it fine. But then when he gets to think about it, he's like, oh no, wait. And he told us up again. Pippin does that. She does this funny thing where she stands on something. I think her feet are just, I think she's sensitive. She's a sensitive girl. But if she stands on something that she doesn't particularly like... She'll lift her back leg up, but it's usually the back leg. And then she'll almost carry on running normally, but with one oh, back yeah. leg up for, for quite a while. I'm like, that's quite impressive, actually. Oh, yeah, still, when we took William out for, you know, we just took him out for, like, wheeze and sniffs. Uh, he, he would still run around on hopping on the back leg. Mm. You're like, if he would send, like, if you just fucking slow down, <laughs> it would be much easier. Yeah. But yeah. no, 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 he still has to run around and kind of jump over things and still move around just, just as quickly. Mm. And like jumping up and down on the sofa with just with one leg. I'm like, if you just fucking slowed down. Oh, anyway, um, so you know that that's my brief Strava woe for this week, which is more more of a problem than the dog is, at least. Yeah. And also, just very briefly, I mentioned that I did a horrible, stinking, humid park run this morning. When I was there, um, I said hello to a listener. So hi to Hannah Bai, who said hi. That was nice. Nice. She a just Patreon ha- supporter? No. Well, so, why are you saying yeah. hi to her then? Say yeah, bye to ba- Hannah Bai. <laughs> Bye to Hannah. Bye. <laughs> you don't really. You're not a true fan, Hannah. Give us a pound. <laughs> Let's say hi to our guests. We were delighted to get a message from Claire Maxted from Wild Ginger Running, who was super keen to tell us about what she thinks is bullshit about running. Our guest today is the co-founder and former editor of Trail Running Magazine, podcaster, ultimate trail running handbook writer, and the Instagrammer and YouTuber who you might know better as Wild Ginger Running. It's Claire Maxted. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll do the usual thing. Uh, tell us a little bit, first of all, about how you got started running. Well, I used to run at school. Like They used to force you, didn't they, to run through fields. Oh, it was terrible. Um, you know, if you forgot your gym skirt, you had to do it in these like horrible black knicker things. It was that, that's probably not a thing now. It's probably illegal. But that was <laughs> the thing back when I was at school because I'm so old. <laughs> and so you, I lived in fear basically of the bleep test. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Um, house cross country through the muddy fields in winter and then athletics in the summer where, you know, you had to run around a track and everybody was watching. It was always really hot. And I just used to live in fear of those three events. And every time there was a rumor going around every week before PE, like, oh, they're going to have the bleep test today. They're going to have the bleep test. And it was this most horrendous thing where you just like run to the end of the hall and back. And and then when you drop out, everyone sees when you drop out and and then you go bright red because I'm ginger, I'm really pale. So I used to go bright red like instantly. And all the boys would be like, oh, Climax has gone bright red already. And I just looked really unfit. So it just made me give up. And so that's where I started running and soon stopped running um and then at university I started to drink a little bit too much beer and got a little bit of a beer gut and thought oh I probably should do some exercise and just running's the quickest thing isn't it to do it's cheap you just put a pair of trainers on get head out the door quickly before a lecture have a one minute shower <laughs> that's where I learned how to do the one minute shower and um yeah and just started being a bit fitter 
and then I just got into um I was always been I've always been outdoorsy so I've always been quite into mountain biking and swimming and hiking in particular and so I used to work on what well, my dream magazine to work on when I left uni was trail magazine the hiking magazine and then while I was working on that the editor of of that magazine Matt Swain um he now teaches journalism in Cardiff he's um, absolutely amazing guy he decided that we should launch trail running magazine so we launched trail running magazine and I was like the the one person on trail magazine that did a little bit of running because I started um, going up to the Lake District and doing these events which were called Lakeland Trails um, and they were like 15k kind of nine miles ish through the through the mountainside but not actually up the mountains like fell running it was more like on paths and through like path, mountain passes and it was just beautiful and it wasn't like school anymore it was like like everyone was there just to have fun there was cake people were cheering you on no one was there with a whistle shouting knees up knees up or anything like that and no boys were laughing at you or anything so it was um yeah a much better experience of running and then I started to really enjoy running and then they made me edit the magazine as like a um you know as a promotion type thing and then the magazine took off and so I started doing more and more running um and going further and further and the thing about going further with running is that you get to run a lot slower so I think a lot of people get put off running because at school it's always competitive. It's always like, come on, go on, go, go fast, fast. And then you like start off breath, you go bright red. You have, if it's winter, you get that blood taste in your mouth, which is revolting. And it doesn't have to be like that. And that's what I learned through for many, many years. And that's why now I'm so keen to tell everybody else about running because I feel like people get this negative association with it from school and the way that it's taught and the way that it's sort of given to us at school it's not a very good relationship so I just like to tell people that jogging is also running and that's much more enjoyable <laughs> that's one of the things I love about trail running and like ultras trail running and ultras is that you can run really slowly I always say to people like my idea of running a road race is the worst idea ever because you've got to run really fast so and all those things you said about being outdoors and stuff are there any, because we always hear how great trail running is, what are the really rubbish things about trail running? <laughs> Sometimes it can hurt, like long distance, like I've just come back from a 13 and a half mile run, it's all about that half, and um, uh, my hips are really aching, like you just, instead of being out of breath in the sort of the lung area and the throat hurting and, and the, that sheer fatigue type thing, you just get these like aches that just gradually build up and gradually build up until you're just like I can't be asked anymore and then you just start walking <laughs> so that's that's one downside the other downside can be blisters oh my god I've had some horrendous blisters in the past if you don't look after your feet properly and you're doing something long and something that's multi-day and something that's where it's raining all the time or you're going through wet grass and puddles and mud and things like that your feet don't get a chance to dry out you can get trench foot type things really easily and blisters are the worst that I think that's probably my main beef with trail running is that I still despite I've got like 30 pairs of shoes behind me that I've been testing all the boxes are stacked behind me here and I've still not found the perfect pair of trail running shoes that um that are you know perfect and don't give me any blisters or hot spots anywhere and you kind of need a shoe for each activity really you need a shoe for if it's going to be kind of rocky and roady and a shoe for if it's going to be really muddy with really like deep lugs like football boots almost and then a shoe that sort of kind of does an all-rounder type thing you need three shoes at least so that's a lot of money actually <laughs> when you get when you get really into trail running it does start costing a bit more and the shoe the quest for the perfect shoe all is yeah, that that might be a beef of mine, I think. Yeah, trail running is a simple sport. All you need is 30 pairs of shoes. Yeah, all you need is 30 pairs of shoes and this whizzy watch and a backpack and waterproof and waterproof trousers and then race entries, which is like a million pounds nowadays. I understand why there's so much money. I organise a race myself. So I know what goes into races these days. It's not just, oh, let's hand some bloke three quid uh, in a car boot, put a number on and run up a fan and back. You've got to have all this health and safety nowadays. I do understand. But the price of race entries is over £100 sometimes for these oh, long-distance yeah, ones. Yeah. It's like mad madness. I have, to, I have to continue being a journalist because if I didn't get free race entries, I wouldn't enter anything. Yeah, that helps us with the podcast. It's, uh, it definitely yeah, helps us doing that's races. The main reason. <laughs> yes, that's mostly what it is now. <laughs> and what you said about blisters, I think that's probably the main thing that's stopping me, well, other than being lazy and unfit, but the main thing stopping me doing multi-day races, just the idea 
of getting horrendous blisters and carrying on through the night and then carrying on on top of blisters is just insane to me. I, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah, it is really bad. And like you see the elite athletes and I looked at like Jim Mann, he's a really amazing um, elite athlete on the Cape Breath Ultra. And I looked at his feet and he had like one tiny blister. So he obviously like his shoes are just perfect for him. And he's run so many miles, his feet have hardened up or whatever. And he just knows what he's doing. Uh, whereas my, my toe, every little toe had a, had a tiny blister in between it. And it was just really painful to run any step. It just felt like bees were stinging me with each step. And it felt like a knife was being plunged into the side of my foot with every step it was horrendous but I think the other the other tricky thing with the whole multi-day thing is that it's always really really long these multi-day events so there's no there's no events that are just like a half marathon every day for say three or five days mm. it's always like 20 or it's like what, 20 or 40 miles you know like the dragon's back right the, the Cape Wrath Ultra the Jurassic Coast the um the Pilgrim uh the pilgrim challenge the druids challenge the all the atlantic coast all those like three days five days six days eight days they're all like 30 miles a day and it's like where's just i just want to run 10 miles a day so after the uh, i fantastically balled up the cape breath ultra and i ran for four days and then gave up because my blisters hurt too much and i was just like do you know what i'm not enjoying this i could push on you know like if the the life of a family member or a dear friend depended on it i could woman up and i could patch my blisters up and i could go and i could walk with everything in pain but I was like, well, I don't need to. That's not why I run. I run to enjoy myself. I don't want to go through these mountainsides just moaning to everybody about how much it hurts and how much my feet hurt, having a really horrible time. So I just decided to quit. Um, yes. And I just thought I need to do my own challenge. So I decided to run around the Isle of Man. They've got a really super path around there called the Radnafollen, which is um, Isle of Manish for Way of the Girl. And it's brilliant because a lot of the paths are these beautiful skinny clifftop trails and the girls are like on a level with you. So that's why it's called the Way of the Girl. It's absolutely stunning. The sea views, like little bays and inlets and, and seal pups and um, beautiful flowers, butterflies, um, weird monuments and things. Are like they've got this thing about wallabies apparently there's some wild wallabies on the isle of man so there was these like huge wallaby statues like like painted all differently by different companies on the island and kids and stuff like that like all these wallabies it's like you'd just be running along and then randomly you just come across a giant wallaby statue <laughs> and so so that was a highlight of the trip um but on that trip i did it it's 100 miles the path and i did it in six days so i did like you know, anything from a half marathon, the longest day was 24 miles along this beach. Like, like mm. it was constantly like running like this, like one foot shorter than the other. That was a joy. And this lighthouse at the end, which took forever to get to. It was like, oh, please. I've seen it for five hours now. And the, uh, but the shortest day was to like 12 miles. And it was just a joy. It was a real joy. I just didn't have to get up too early in the morning. I just got up. I took my time, like had some lunch on the way, maybe stopped at a cafe. I took took selfies I made a film throughout I edited the film each day in the evening put it out on my YouTube channel I had dinner at different people's houses um the people at the Isle of Man are really friendly and they hosted me all the way around and it was just a joy like I love that trip and I think it's brilliant but there's no race organizers that that every all race organizers seem to want to appeal to people who want to kill themselves or like like hurt themselves it's it's quite sadistic really I where the people who are just like oh we just want to give you a nice holiday and we're just going to run 15 miles a day and that is plenty we're gonna have a nice cream tea here and then we're gonna run five miles more or you can walk if you want then we're gonna have a pint in this pub and then we should all go to sleep for 10 hours like where's the people doing that do i need to do this is there a market for this like yeah email yeah definitely yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, i think there are like trail running festivals turning up these days and i think that's probably the closest because i've i know a few of those that do like there's no journey in that no but they do like three or four races over the weekend yeah they equaled like a marathon over like three days or something like that various yeah. races that's probably the closest but well you know yeah you see... like friday saturday sunday yeah you're mm. a race organizer this that's your next idea yes i know i know yeah i know i i just do these things myself i i really want to do um do you know the ultra tour de mont blanc the mm -hmm. utmb too hard. um yeah. so 
there's no way I want to run that through two nights not seeing any views so I'd love to do that over six days as well so I'm actually really would like to do that not next year but the year after I'm going to get my distance back this year and get fitter and then maybe do that the following year so I yeah these really hard big races I really like to just break them down into 20 miles a day I think 20 miles is enough for one day because you can kind of walk and run yeah that's everybody has their own limit though like um, some people will be able to do 40 miles a day some people 20 and some people just want to do 10 and it's all fine you just got to find out where your balance of challenge and enjoyment um sits I think yeah mm. where where are the civilized multi-day races that's what we yes the civilized multi-day races I need to start a company people. don't I <laughs> maybe I won't start it right now in, in the middle of a, a some kind of recession or whatever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. Journalism. Easy. Just get a degree and start a magazine. Piece of piss. Mm. We'll have more from Claire later on. You can support this podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit and donating money every month. No one new to shout out this time. Just a name. (laughs) Yep. No one new. Not even Hannah by even though she wants to be shouted out regardless. You know, you've got to pay for that. Hannah. Just a name change after we welcomed Dawn Morton last time and her husband tweeted back to tell us of his surprise that she was still going by her maiden name. Hmm, maybe a hint? Is, is that a hint, Kirk? Sorry, is uh, is this the first step of her changing her identity Maybe back? Maybe she just wants to be known on Patreon as a free and single lady. Perhaps, yeah, that's... That, I don't understand why, but sure. <laughs> Just let everyone know who listens to the podcast. Free and single, even though they don't know me and that know that's my name. <laughs> well, everyone else who donated money was these people. Ivor Hewitt, Victoria Dick. Rachel Bentley, Sophie Jake, Steve Thompson, Cassie Jones, Karen Blay. Francis Howell, Amanda Murray Hind. Manu Bree, Cal Ryder, Drew Edwards, Jay Darren Roberts. Sherry Grubbs. Matt H. Raymond, Quinn, Matt Burrows, Andy Robbins, Sam Wally, Jonathan Carter, Angel Foster, Swells, Edit Line, Sandra Heinzer, Claire Dina, Ian Hills, Vicky Robbins, Peter Page, Ruth KP, Nikki Genders, Gabby Thomas, Nair, Matt Lee, Scale Seal, Brian Simpson, Lisa Gibbon, Andy Nichols, Sophie Nichols, Karen Hamilton, Elizabeth Chapin, Debbie Hurley, Stuart Stevens, Penny Simpson, Shambolic, Adult, Liz Reese, Matt Caffin, Martin Kaplan, Matt Jones, David Owen, Paul Hibbert, Anthony Howe, HLM, Martin, Viola, Graham, Clark Moore, Adam Atkinson, Charlie Neverson, Victoria Magnus, Catherine Fenton. Matches yours, Carl Fleming, Rachel Bullmore, Gordy Thelwell, Trish Alton, AP James, Lambert, Jason Spinks, Bernadette McCarthy. On to your messages and don't forget to get in touch with your running bullshit on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just search Running is BS and let us know why you particularly hate running this week. Somebody who did just that was Lee Harding. And said, when I was in Washington, D.C., well, technically at the time I was in Arlington, Virginia, I was chatting to a woman who listens to your podcast. International. I mean, that's pretty weird. It's weird. No, we're international. That's not weird. That's- I mean, I looked back at like last month. Uh, we had eight downloads in Virginia, which means maybe that's four listeners in the whole state. And he met one. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, what? I was talking to my mom the other day. It's something to do with the podcast. I can't remember what. And she goes, yeah, well, you get a few hundred listeners every week, every, every episode. I'm like, a few hundred? Wow. <laughs> Try f- you don't know how many we get. You've no idea. I do, I do, I do. I just update you every so often. You, you kind of go, stats, oh, that's good. And it's more than a few hundred. Thank you. Yeah, I just tell you every now and then. You're like, hey. <laughs> and that's it.
Yeah. You've got no further interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's more than a few hundred. Thank you very much. Yeah. As we know, your your interest in the podcast ends as soon as we hit stop on this recording. Yeah, it starts and, like... Until the next week. It starts five minutes before and it ends, yeah, when, when I click stop and That's, upload that, it. That is you done. <laughs> uh, right, well, let's move on to our spooky Halloween stories. And you know what? No actual short stories have sent in. So we'll bin that idea. Not do that again next year. Fuck you, everyone. Uh, we did have a couple of um, non fiction stories though hello amy and Stuart. here's my story for the halloween episode it's a true story in september 2014 i was in training for my first ever half marathon in bournemouth i got up early while it was still dark outside as i had to run 10 miles and i did not want it to impact on my sunday too much i remembered as a child i used to love going to whitecliffe harborside park in pool in dorset with my parents so i decided to run there and loop back being a rookie i didn't go to the toilet before my run why should i i've always been absolutely fine before on all of my shorter runs Famous last words. (laughs) As I began to run along the path, my stomach began to cramp. Not a problem. I thought, I remembered there are some toilets on the other side of the football pitches at Wycliffe. I turned the corner. No toilets. They must have been demolished years ago. What should I do now? Try and hold on? Too late. I had to abandon ship there and then. I did not trust myself to squat, so I pulled my shorts down around my ankles and was on all fours, a bit like a crap. (laughs) What? What what does this mean? I think that's like hands and feet but backwards yeah, that, that's bizarre they're like it's impressive but really bizarre and also a terrifying image <laughs> job done i pulled my shorts up and carried on around the loop the sun came up as i was running along it was dead romantic shame i was on my own after about half an hour i turned the corner into Whitecliffe again only to see the toilet block just 200 meters away on the other side of the football pitch so i'd done my first wild poo for no reason at all The toilet block had always been there, I just couldn't see it in the dark. I realised then I was standing in the same spot as I did my wild poo, yet I couldn't find it. (laughs) It had vanished. Did a dog walker pick it up? Did it ever happen? That's from Paul Wilshire. (laughs) The thing is, I imagine somebody else has a story that happened around the same time when they were going for a run and saw a weird half-human, half-crab creature shitting in the middle of a path. (laughs) And then went and picked up their shit. Yeah. For some reason. To sell it to the government or something. Like evidence. That is... Not trust myself to squat, so you went for something much harder. Yeah. The cra- how That's did, very How strange. did you even get in that position? Like, did you start on your back and then lift yourself up backwards? Or did you, like... <laughs> what? I'm thinking about it too much now. Oh. Right. That's very strange. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Terrifying. Very mysterious. It's terrifying, but not for the reason I think you thought it was terrifying. Absolutely not. No. I love that was 2014 as well. So you've been sitting on that for a while. Well, Sorry, yeah. I shouldn't say sitting on it. <laughs> uh, Matt Jones has also sent us uh, what he sort of calls a kind of running related story as he was running. He says, when I was a kid, I lived in a small village, one shop, one pub. One Halloween, me and some mates hung outside the pub dressed in sheets, waiting to scare customers as they were leaving. As some came out the backyard, we ran past, me wailing, woo. I had cut two eye holes in the sheet, but as I turned my head in their direction, the sheet moved and the hole shifted. That, coupled with lack of streetlights, meant I couldn't see where I was running. This meant I ran smack into the back of a parked car and my ghostly ooh turned into pained groans as I slid down the back of the car onto the road. Unsurprisingly, the customers were not scared, but pissed themselves laughing as I hobbled away. Bruised legs for weeks. Matt Jones, brackets supporter. Well, I guess you need something to do in these villages, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) You need somewhere to pass those long winter nights. That was the highlight of everyone's year in that village. Everyone's decade. (laughs) You know everyone talked about that for ages as well. The idiot kid who just ran into a car with a sheet on his head. Definitely. So weird. Well, thank you for those two Halloween stories, which are vaguely related. Let's go back and hear a bit more from Wild Ginger Running. So now you've kind of successfully done what more people are able to do now, which is to kind of become a professional runner, but in like the media and online, rather than someone that gets paid for winning races. Um, As an aside, have you ever won won a race? No, I haven't. Apart from now, I haven't even won a park run. I've come on the podium at some races. When I was really thin and exercising a lot in 2014, 
2015, I think um, I'd just done the coastal challenge in Costa Rica. And um, yeah, I came like second in a few local races, but my friend Katie Arnold, she's like really, she's better than me. So she was always first. <laughs> so I should have gone to a race where um, where she wasn't. But yeah, I came second at the first, I think it was the first Keswick Mountain Festival 50K race. I think I came second or third there. And Chrissy Wellington gave me my prize, which was like a 10, 10 quid voucher for something, which was really, really nice. fun. So, so I've podiumed a few times. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm podiumness, podium, yeah. podiuming at the moment. It depends who's there as well. Like Absolutely. if you enter a really obscure race, then there's hardly any women in it. So mm. that's a good way to podium. The ones that are there just like trip them over, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, tie their shoelaces together. Yeah. <laughs> Why haven't I thought about that? <laughs> I did actually have to tell one woman on that 50K at Keswick Mountain Festival, there was a lady and she looked really fast. No, she was really fast. She was faster than me and she was ahead of me and she went the wrong way and I did shout I honestly shouted why are you not posing all the time (laughs) I was like you're going the wrong way and then but I was like yes I'm winning the race for like five minutes and then she came past really annoyed and I was like I did try and shout you (laughs) really quietly (laughs) no I did I did try and shout (laughs) so anyway kind of aside from that uh, you are now kind of your own brand so where did wild ginger running come from um, my husband made up the name actually, because um, we we were trying to think of a name, and I didn't just want to be like Trail Running UK YouTube channel because YouTube's a bit it's a bit funny. I didn't want to be like a brand like I'd been Trail Running magazine, and and if you're sort of a an, a brand like a brand like from a big company, people treat you differently. And so I wanted to be me on social media, but sort of provide the same kind of thing that Trail Running Magazine could have provided should they have gone down the online route. But um, so I wanted to keep it personal so that it could so that it would be a channel that could follow like my journey as well as just giving generic advice to trail and ultra runners um so that's why I went for the whole wild ginger thing because obviously I am ginger and that's like my probably most interesting feature to be honest like that's that's my thing and uh the wild thing is like the off-road side of thing Mm. I'm not like a wild party animal anymore (laughs) or really was ever and um and the running is the the running so yeah, sometimes it's wild ginger trail and ultra running. That's what I've changed it to on YouTube so that when I comment on other people's mm-hmm. stuff, they can see that I am about trail and ultra running and not just a random wild ginger runner. Um, but yeah, that's where the name comes from. And my husband made it up. And sometimes I think, oh, is it a bit silly, the name? Is it like a bit silly? But I think I can't really change it now. At one point, I did want to change it to something like trail and ultra running UK or something just kind of does what it says on the tin and I was going to make a big brand out of it and you know get staff and employ people and stuff like that and then I was just like then I had a baby and I was like oh I can't do anything I I cannot expand my business whilst um also bringing up a child so that just all went down pan um but I enjoy I enjoy being wild ginger running um yeah sometimes I feel like it's a bit like oh is it I don't want it to be like all about me in a kind of, oh, look at me, look at me doing this race. Oh, aren't I lucky? Look at me. Um, I want it to be sort of, oh, look at her. She's a bit rubbish and she doesn't eat properly. You know, she has hash browns for lunch sometimes and beans and fish fingers and that all. And, you know, she's not all together in life but she can still do it so therefore I can too it's kind of supposed to be inspirational in in that kind of way Mm -hmm. rather than a um like a bragging kind of way so it's kind of a a brand but in a more personal way than like something like trail run uk would seem a bit like we're the official place for all of the trail running but this is a bit more this is about me yeah it's just like I'm your friend like I'm your slightly more experienced older sister or friend (laughs) yeah that's the vibe I I believe the the youngsters of the day use the vibe don't they that's the vibe I'm going for Uh, so what kind of things can people find uh, while ginger running Oh, lots. The best way to actually use Wild Ginger Running is if you've got a query about trail running or ultra running, type that into Google and then write Wild Ginger Running after it or just Wild Ginger because you've probably already written running. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, type that into Google and that should bring up any film that I've got on the topic. And the topics are far and wide ranging. So we've got nutrition, um, we've got gear. There's loads of gear tests on there. 
Um, so that's really handy. At the moment, I'm, I'm plowing through a load of shoes, um, but I'm just about to review some budget head torches as well. So I've, I've just got the Silver Terra Scout X in. So um, there's loads of gear reviews. There's recipes. Um, there's um, talks from elite athletes and coaches as well. So every Thursday afternoon or kind of lunchtime, I talk to someone who's written a book or an elite athlete or a coach and they give loads of advice. So we've had um, Nick Knight from NK Active on recently and he was talking about um, the fact that overpronation doesn't actually exist because no one really knows what pronation is and what level it should be at for each person. Amazing, so yes. overpronation is kind of like a lie that the shoe companies have peddled for years. So he could be a good person to get on your podcast oh, yeah. in the future as well because he was really knowledgeable about that. And then um, in the future, we've got Damien Hall I think Damien's coming on what date is it today yes he's coming on this Thursday we've got Ooh, Damien nice. Hall who's just written the book um uh, we can't run away from this I'm just looking for it in my office but oh, I can't find it I think it must be on my bookshelf but yeah he's written that so I read that on a plane um ironically it's all about being environmentally friendly and yeah. reducing your carbon footprint so I read it on the plane to the UTMB um and um felt very guilty um and yeah so he's coming on um and then we've got chris mcdougall who wrote born to run he's written another book with someone else so he's going to come on in december and yeah just um if i've got patrons as well who support the channel so they get like perks so if any of the patrons say to me oh can you get this person on and can i ask them this question then i will try to do that for them as well they get priority with all their questions mm -hmm. um i'm just trying to think what else there's some navigation stuff on there um, and there's inspirational routes on there that I run and races as well. And I haven't done any races recently. There was COVID and then I had a baby. So I'm just getting back into the whole racing thing. But there's races on there um, that I run uh, with a GoPro, <laughs> a really strong right bicep. <laughs> and yeah, there's anything to do with trail running. I don't know if I've missed anything there. I, I mean, that's quite a lot. Book and, uh, injury stuff. Yes, injury stuff, navigating um yeah I, and I, I like to um I like to like promote diversity as well so I was going to go to the Black Trail Runners event um in September but it got cancelled because of the Queen dying um so now it's in May but I'm actually signed up to do another event in May so I can't make it so mm -hmm. so that's annoying because I was going to go there and and um and just just support that basically um so yeah I like to just in, be enthusiastic about running to everybody basically okay well as long as you're not too enthusiastic here because it's not exactly oh the right yeah place yeah, for yeah. It. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> and when you're doing all these gear reviews can you really get that excited about new shoes because i just it, it just does nothing for me when people start talking about shoes at me i just i just buy the pair that fit every time a new pair of shoes comes out are you genuinely excited to see them I'm not really genuinely excited anymore. <laughs> um, but if I there think, are sponsors listening, incredibly excited. Oh, yes, yes. If Ultra's listening, then yes. Then no, I, don't worry. I am a bit of a gear geek, so yeah. I do like a bit of design. And I do, I do like... I do like to try lots of different things, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't get excited anymore. I've been doing this since I was 22. So it's been like Christmas every day since then, which is amazing. Um, I'm very grateful for it, but yeah, there is a certain excitement still in opening that box and that fresh new shoe smell coming out. But I just wish I could find a pair that like do do everything that I want them to do. I, I'm actually thinking about getting a custom made pair because I just can't find a shoe which is perfect because I really like wide fit shoes. I don't know if you've tried any from Ultra before. Yeah, see, I was just thinking Ultra are my perfect shoe. Like I buy all Ultra, which is bloody expensive in terms yeah. of shoes. But they are like, for me, they are my my perfect shoe. Like the wide toe box and stuff and everything perfect. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. If, if you can get on with zero drop, that's mm. brilliant. But I can't really run for miles and miles in zero drop because it just kind of kills me. So I just wish that Altra did a transition series of shoes, but you could always just put a heel insert into their shoe. Um, yeah, quite, quite, that's quite, the whole thing, isn't it? It's the whole zero Yeah, drop it's the whole thing. It, so yeah. yeah, yeah. But I kind of think you can't just go straight to zero drop necessarily. So if they really want to cash in, they should do the ultra tra transition series where they make 
like shoes where you're supposed to but then they'd probably just sell loads of those and people would never transition down to zero drop so but they'd sell more I think I think it's a good business plan for them I'm going to email them um but I think um yeah I've been wearing the the last pair of shoes that I did get quite excited about with the ultra Mont Blanc boas have you seen them they've got the turny turny dials I saw the re- got- your review of them oh, okay. yeah yeah they've got two turny turny dials so usually when a shoe has a boa turning dial you know like you get on ski boots usually you just get one like near the ankle bone and you turn it and that's great but you kind of don't have any play at the front whereas the ultras have put two in so there's one sort of at the like the midfoot and then one at the heel as well so you can lock the heel down nicely and you can alter the the midfoot and if you wanted to like mid run you could pull it up open out a bit and adjust it and you can't do that with a normal pair of running shoes so that did excite me because that seemed to me a real good innovation there because usually you're like well what is the point of the dial really like it kind of is a bit swish but you know it's not that hard to lace a shoe and so you're like it's not really any point but that was that was exciting sorry to get excited on this podcast but that did excite me we're moving a little bit into shoe wanker territory here Yeah, I know. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I I do understand what you mean, though, um, that shoes are just you just get the one that fits. And I think a lot of people are blinded by the marketing and a lot of people are are blinded by all Killian's wearing this shoe and Emily Forsberg's wearing this shoe. And I've got to wear this shoe that this person's wearing. Tom Evans won the UTMB in this shoe. And you just got to buy the one that fits your foot first and foremost, like you said. And then you need to look at what grip it's got because you need certain different types of grip for like, you know, whether you're going on loads, like you wouldn't want like this claw type grip for roads. Um, And then you just probably need to look at the drop, like because not everybody can get on with zero drop. So just make sure the drop's not too different to the shoe that you're used to. So those are the three things I always think about with a shoe. It doesn't matter what the weight is. Like you, once you've caked it in mud, it doesn't matter um not really no shoe's going to be like one kilogram is it so (laughs) they're all around the same weight some are super light but you know we're not elite athletes are we no one's really gonna it's not really gonna make a massive difference to you so our final question that we asked all our guests what is the most bullshit thing about running um well I think I might have already covered it a bit but the most bullshit thing about running is people thinking they can't do it because they think it's got to be really fast and they think that you've got to go really far and really fast I think that's the most bullshit thing about running that really annoys me everyone thinks you have to progress like you have to go further and you have to go faster and I think the best progression is to enjoy your run more so it's actually a chapter in my book called how to enjoy your running more <laughs> so that's it because I thought that I think that's really important because if you don't enjoy your run you're not going to go out and run again are you if you're always thinking oh I've done a 5k so now I need to do a 10k oh now I've done 10k I need to do a half marathon and oh then then I need to do an ultra you don't you don't at all the best thing to do with running is just to go somewhere new like drive cycle for five minutes ten minutes down the road to a different footpath and explore some different woodland that you haven't been in before run around a lake that you haven't run around before and enjoy yourself and take a nice picture and have a piece of cake on the way around like stop have a piece of cake and a coffee and then run home that's that's what really annoys me about running is is people that all this business about beasting yourself and making oh it's really hard oh it's a big challenge rah 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 it's like it doesn't have to be like that you can like no disrespect to people who want to do that but I am past that stage now in my life where I'm like oh my god I've got to kill myself and if if I'm not killing myself I'm not running now I just want to poodle about and have a lovely time so that is my message to you all (laughs) it doesn't have to be going about it doesn't have to be about going faster or further it's all about enjoying yourself and if you want to discovering new places yeah i think there's also that natural kind of plateau people reach after two or three years of getting more experience with races and they naturally get quicker but then all of a sudden you start to plateau and that's when you have to work at it and i wonder mm-hmm. if that kind of puts people off or they kind of stop then or just like at that point you're like you don't need to get quick it's fine if you don't want to 
yeah you don't need to and like there's, in my running club that there's a group of we call them the AAs the A group is the slowest and then the D group is the fastest and there's an AA group as well and when I was leading the AA group when I was pregnant because I wasn't very fast or didn't want to run very fast at that point they were always kind of like oh yeah we need to get them up to A we need to get them up to this we need to you know there's loads of people who could run faster but they just chat all the time and I was just like but why like they're out running they're enjoying themselves you don't have to run at a certain speed you don't have to be the fact you don't have to always be seeking self-improvement with running like there's so many things that are hard in life don't make running one of them cool thank you very much I was going to ask where people find out more about you but I guess if there's a search box type in wild ginger running and you'll be there somewhere (laughs) yeah google's the best thing yeah and youtube is a good search engine as well Mm -hmm. um but yeah my instagram is at wild ginger running that's the main one that I use I'm also on facebook but the instagram is the main one and then yeah just the book is the ultimate trail running handbook um so it's about get getting fit confident and skilled up to go from 5k to 50k on trails so it tells you everything you need to know about training there's training plans in there there's recipes there's tips from coaches and cool people throughout and actually real life stories as well from real people who i know um and there's gear reviews as well and great places to run so everything you need to know oh and injury prevention as well and strengthening work is there anything for amy about not falling over Oh, do you fall over a lot? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. But the thing is, the, the thing is, I don't fall over on trails. I fall over because I'm concentrated then. I fall mm. over on, like, tarmac. So maybe... Oh, uh, stop yeah. running on roads. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm yes. just like... <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, yeah. Uh, that's all I can say. Yeah, stop running on roads. That's a great answer. <laughs> cool. Claire, thank you very much. Thank you. No problems. That's fantastic. Thanks for having me on. And thank you very much, Claire. You know, I very much like the idea of civilized multi-day ultras. The more I think about it, the more I like it. Like 20, 25 miles a day, plenty of rest and food, none of this 50 mile a day nonsense. And actually, I was finishing off watching the Dragon's Back videos the other day. And next year, they're running uh, alongside it kind of uh, the hatchling course, which is about 20 to 25 miles a day. That would be and that nice. sounds absolutely perfect. You just have to get, you just get a lift. It's kind of doing the Dragon's Back, but each leg is a bit shorter. Mm. Um, but you only get a lift to the next one. I love the idea because you do cover all of Wales as well. The problem is it's still £1,600. What? And like the hatchling isn't any cheaper. No. I guess because they still have to ferry you around and do a bit more work and stuff. But that's a very expensive race. Yeah, definitely. Yep. If there are any 20, 25 mile a day multi-day ultras that don't cost £1,600... Please let us know. Mm, definitely. Preferably somewhere where like, you stay in a hotel in between. You don't have to carry like a tent and stuff around. <laughs> that would be lovely. Yeah, I don't want to carry it. I mean, in a tent is yeah, not too bad. If, I just wanted to like, hang around a bit in somewhere nice in the countryside, up a mountain or in a nice field. People give me lots of food. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. And then do another 20 miles or something. Yeah. That would be quite nice. Definitely. But as, she's, as Claire said, like the, the trail festivals one tend to be like loops from the centre, but I want to like move along, like mm. move 25 miles down the road each time as well. So you, you're kind of covering some distance. Mm, like a proper journey. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. And let's have a little bit of bullshit marketing. Amy, you seem to like shoes that are pretty colours. Uh, following the Saucony Cheesecake shoes last time, how about some Brooks cereal shoes? Uh, what do you think of these? It's just it's absolute shit is it what what does that mean like they're they're nice looking shoes you know they're, they've got some in, like nice designs it, it is all this marketing bullshit that's like it, it, why do we have to relate it to cereal why does that matter I mean, it's not cereal i mean what it is i mean there's one here there's a blue shoe and there's a white shoe and on the sole there's lots of different colors there's basically red green yellow and blue on there mm-hmm. it's just multicolored soles because they've chosen like absolute garbage trash cereal to pretend that's what inspired them. Yeah, it's just it's just rubbish. They're, they're very like sort of eighties, what's sort of in fashion at the moment, eighties, nineties looking shoes. Like fair enough, whatever. But like we've said before, I'm not going to go out my way to buy these shoes just because they look like that. The, the most important thing about shoes is price, usually in terms of like what shoes I'm going to go for. Most runners who've been running for a while know which shoes they like and which shoes fit them well and and serve all their needs. So they're going to go for whatever's cheapest. Then if there's two shoes at the same price, I might go then for colour, maybe. Like, I don't know, usually 
I'm going for like more subdued colour so I can get away with wearing them to work and then also going for a run straight after yeah. so I'm not packing two pairs of shoes. Do you know what I mean? Like they're the sort of considerations I make. How about some shoes that look a bit like work shoes from a distance so you can go for a run straight away and not be wearing some pig ugly bollocks that they're churning out that look very obviously like clown shoes. Just some normal looking shoes but have all the functionality of a running shoe. I can wear them to work. I don't have to carry shoes in my bag and I can just get changed and go for a run. That's what I want to see, the work shoe. Amazing. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot. Whenever I go to buy yeah. new shoes, I, I, I will pay actually, I will pay extra just for some black shoes. If, if they're just black or, or something very subdued, I will pay extra for those shoes because I know I can take them places and like go to a meeting and then go straight for a run and no one's like, why have you got pink, blue and orange trainers on? Now, you see, I looked at this, I focus more on the cereal than the shoe. Because they've included like three bowls of cereal here. And it's just like this multicoloured nonsense that's just, it's like what a four-year-old would pick out a cereal. I think there must be American cereals because I'm pretty sure you can't buy this kind of shit in the UK. Because no. that is just horrendous. And that's what they've gone with. And that's not what I want. I want shoes. Where am I like fruit and fibre shoes? <laughs> well, I want some shredded wheat shoes. Special K. Some nice brown crispy shoes is what I want. <laughs> sensible shoes with raisins in yeah or something and also not white shoes who buys white running shoes filthy road runners that's who mm. gross oh and also uh, speak just to pick on brooks a little bit more they're peddling their nitrogen infused shoes again and we spoke about this at last year's live show and i worked out that even if they use a hundred milliliters of nitrogen so like a hundred cubic centimeters which is probably bigger than the sole is the difference between that and normal air is the weight of a single grain of sand Plus, it would have just, like, leaked out by the time you opened the box. It's just complete nonsense. Yeah. Like, air is 78% nitrogen already. To say it's nitrogen-infused just means air. Mate, if you're a slow shit runner, and no judgment to slow shit runners, because I am one of them, no shoe is going to make a difference to that. No, no. shoe. No one is... Pre- it's only the elites that are performing at a level where the shoe actually matters, in that sense. If they need a single grain of sand weight difference, then yeah, yeah, go for it probably. Doesn't matter. Fucking Doesn't hell. matter. Like it really. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm all. I, I think I should email them and say what I want is a practical looking shoe that isn't actually yeah, practical. Yeah, do it. I'll just send them that clip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be persuaded, or I'll get a restraining order. Either way. Either's <laughs> funny. Either's good content. Yeah. Our guest Claire also emailed afterwards with some of her kit-related bullshit, and in particular the names of things such as the Innovate Trailfly Ultra G280. Ultra G? What the fuck is Ultra G? Adidas. Well, it's, it's better than normal G. Yeah, yeah. Adidas Terex Agrivic? Agrivic? Is that a real word? Agravic? Agravic? Mm, Pro Boa. B-O-A. Boa. And the Harrier Helvelin... Pro Carbon Z Pole or Z Pole for our British listeners. I feel like I have to yeah, say Z there because it's marketing bullshit. It just lends itself to saying Z. Yeah, I think her point is just like the the lengths of some of the names of these things. Yeah, like the Innovate Trailfly Ultra G Two Eighty. It's too much. It's too much in a name. <laughs> she would prefer things just get two names, such as like the Brian One Hundred or the Brian Two Hundred. It's much easier that way. Actually, I do quite like Saucony for that kind of thing because they are generally, it'll be like Saucony Wave 12, mm. Saucony Wave 13. And then usually it's just one word and a new number, which yeah. just kind of, I mean, just kind of shows how much they just change it every year for no reason. But still, they're fairly short names and that's much easier. Yeah, Ultra are kind of like that. They'll just have the whatever, the Ultra, the name of the shoe, like the model or whatever, and then the, the number. <clears throat> and I get why they have to bring like new numbers out. Like shoe companies have to try and sell shoes, you know. Whatever. Yeah, but what's a Terex and what's an Agravic? No idea. And what's Boa? Is it just like a big snake that squeezes your, shoe, your foot? Because that doesn't sound like a good... Th- a Boa is not something I want to associate with my feet. No. I don't want to be squeezed. No, no, no. Very strange. Even more marketing bullshit going on here. Gabby Nair, who else, message us with a brand new 30-year-old pair of Asics. Uh, these are described as the Gel Light 3 OG sneaker emerges once again with its original shape and tooling that it featured in the early 1990s. Tooling? So it's it's the same shoe as it was in the 90s. Right. So 30 years of trainer innovation, they've just turned all that back and said, ah, it doesn't matter, this is all the same. 
But Amy, these were designed by Shigeyuki Mitsui in 1990, so that's a huge deal. Yeah. You want to get that detail right in the second paragraph because that's really important. Mm-hmm. And it has got an iconic split tongue formation. Not not a split tongue, a split tongue formation. Oh, okay, okay. Good. I don't want a split tongue. Uh, and like, it doesn't tell you anything about what the shoe is like to run in. Oh, it's got excellent shock absorption and that's it. Exactly. The thing is, these things don't really... To people that actually run, these things don't really mean much. What matters is stuff like the drop whether it's stability yeah. or what you know all those other things whether it's like a maximalist or minimalist shoe like a barefoot runner or not how big the toe box is like that's the stuff that matters not all this bollocks but it's the fact you can make a shoe exactly like it was in 1990s and say it's brand new is really strange mm. and who is that much of a shoe fucking wanker to really be like oh my god the gel lights from 1990 are back mm. I feel like sometimes these shoes aren't actually aimed at runners. They're just aimed at people that are going to wear them for fashion, which is absolutely fine. But, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like in um, gaming with um, in-app purchases, the whales. It's the people that will spend literally hundreds of pounds a day on buying fucking crystals and gems or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's... And they make most of their money from those people. It's probably a bit like that. They'll put out these premium shoes that are like two, three hundred pounds, and they know there's a load of people out there who just buy them because they're new and expensive. Mm. They're not actually aimed at the proper market at all. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's got to be a thing. Right. That's. I, I feel like my blood pressure has shot up this episode. Oh yes. Oh, need to calm down. Anyway, Stuart, what have you got coming up next? Loads of things. I'm recording this on Saturday, which means I've got a race tomorrow. It's that um, obstacle race, which you don't need to have a body strength for. Yes. Uh, next, uh, the week after that, I've got the Richard Burton 10K, which is in the village that Richard Burton was born in. For some reason, it's 10K there. It looks fun. And Cross in the Forest of Dean on Saturday and Sunday. So you should have loads of races to bang on about next time. Nice. How about you? Well, I'm still signed up for that ultra next weekend. I've, and it's definitely going to happen, yeah? No, it's not definitely going to happen. Well, oh, I mean, my the God. thing is, like, I don't know. I'm not trained for it because I've had injuries. And so I, I'm still injured. I know, I know. Ah, so, what? so it's one of those things where, like, do I go and just see how far I get? Because I doubt I'm going to do the 30 miles. And if I did do the 30 miles, then I'd, I'd be re- very severely injured. Do I just... Content. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I like, just go, have a go. So at the checkpoints, I did email them. I was like, I dropped them email like, how far apart of the checkpoints? Because I was thinking, how far apart would I have to crawl when I decide like this is, I'm yeah. done. They're only six to seven miles apart. So I think, I feel like that's, all right. that's quite good in terms of dropping out. The mountain rescue are very good up there as well. <laughs> that's the thing is with Penavan. So Penavan is pretty much halfway through. So you sort of go from Merth to Tidville, run to Penavan, go up. Panorama down the other side. I think you go up the um, I can't remember what it's called now. The the side that's the harder side, not the M1 yeah. sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So you go up the harder side, down the easier side, um, and then back up to Merthyr Tidville, the sort of in a, like a loop rather than out and back. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe th- that might be quite good though, because if I get to Panorama and think, fuck it, I'm not climbing up there. I, that that will be the end of my race, and I've probably done 15 miles by that point. So that's a quite a nice Saturday run, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. Fingers crossed, everyone. Send Amy lots of encouragement and or abuse <laughs> to get her to do this race. If you've enjoyed this bullshit, please visit runningisbs.com to see the show notes and links for this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon, merch store and social medias. Do the race! <laughs> Content! <laughs> Pig ugly bollocks.